Trigger warning, this podcast contains mentions of racism, exodism, nudity, misogyny and depression. Welcome back everybody to yet another episode of Queer Sounds. My name is Hannah, pronouns they, them. And as always, I bring you the quarries and musical interests of different types of queer people. And this time with me is none other than Jay. Jay, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> it's an absolute pleasure, Jay. Why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, pronouns, what you do in daily life, etc., etc., etc. Okay, hi. I am uh, Jace, Jace Cruising. I, uh, my pronouns are they, them. And I am a um, computer science student and I also work for Color Collective and TransVC, which is like, um, queer organizations in Utrecht. All right, uh, you have to tell me a little bit about uh, Color Collective because when I googled this, I ended up um, at a website for classically trained musicians, <laughs> and I was thinking, all right, this is a music podcast that makes sense, but it's not what you work for. No, no, no. Enlighten exactly. me. No, uh, Color Collective is a um, bicultural but BPOC organization in Utrecht. Uh, we organize safe spaces for um, safe space meetings for bicultural people pretty much just all around the country. It's just kind of like a get together, often talk about like difficult topics such as racism, systemic oppression um, and the experiences that um, we all feel. It's basically just a support group or how am I supposed to interpret this? Yeah, pretty much. We organize uh, a lot of support groups. We have interactive workshops and stuff like that. How did this came to be? Like, Is it just an urge that you had, something you felt was missing in the general Dutch scene? I personally wasn't one of the original organizers. It's actually right. um, kind of per chance that I got involved with it because I remember roughly a year ago or something, during Midsommergracht here in Utrecht, there mm-hmm. was a um, open discussion in Tivoli Vredenburg. Yeah, the, the main large conference slash concert venue in town. Yes, yes, exactly. And there were a few speakers present. I think towards the end of the evening, one person stood up and had a very um, impressive speech. That person was Fayaz, my colleague from Color Collective and one of the original um, creators of um, the group um, together with some of my other colleagues. Um, Yeah, he just had like a very touching speech and I spoke to him afterwards and he was like, hey, are you interested in these organizations that we're still building up? It wasn't a thing um, back then because it was like uh, summer. Right, yeah. I think around September it actually um, started being a thing. So what is it that you do? Are you just involved with organizing all of the all of the events there or building the website? What is it that you do personally? Yeah, um, all of the above and more, actually. I help out with organizing the um, safe space meetings we've organized. For example, we were also present at the Utrecht Camel Pride. We actually mm. had our boat together with another organization respect to love and yeah like other than that um we're currently working on the website i'm hoping whenever this gets published uh, we'll have it ready yeah and i'll send you the link now <laughs> yeah no i'll but, uh, i'll put a link to your facebook page in the show notes yeah nice um so what's what's the goal with this um we are hoping to help 
um, other BPOC bicultural people in um, in and around the country. Um, and yeah, just create kind of like a safe haven for people. And also, we're also in like a specific commissions together with other parties. And we're overall just hoping to um, make things better for bicultural people, both within Utrecht and around the country. All right. So let me get this clear. This is um, an organization that focuses on uh, bicultural people, people of color, not mm-hmm. particularly... Um, people part of the LGBTQIAP plus community. Or, oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, it is like queer, right. queer POC. It is yeah. inherently queer. All right, good. I think it's about time we get into the first track of today, uh, a 2007 classic, Paper Planes, MIA. MIA paper planes, a personal favorite of mine because it just got this amazing sample uh, from Straight to Hell by The Clash, and that's you know, gotta love The Clash. But yeah, it's it's kind of funny how an R&B track like this can have its roots in punk, and not just musically, but you know, attitude-wise as well, isn't it? So is that also why you chose this track? Because you know, I know you're a fan of punk music. Is that also why you picked this track? I don't know. I. Personally, it um, struck a whole note because of like the themes that are portrayed in it. It's about um, essentially just stereotypes about immigrants. And I uh, myself am a second generation immigrant. My mother um, moved to this country from Suriname and had to deal with a lot of shit when um, she and her family got here. Um, Yeah, I of course they'll have to deal with the racism that is still um very active in this country unfortunately Mm. how does it occur to you in daily life because i had several people of color on this podcast before Mm -hmm. and we never really explicitly talked about ways people experience racism just talk about their personal experiences as people of color sure but no um no violence no whether that's verbal or physical is it something you're willing to share with us? Um, yeah, sure thing. I um, don't experience it experience it in my daily life right now, but I used to. I grew up in Demern, which is apparently um, infamous for being very unfriendly towards POC. And yeah, at school, for example, I was always like treated very differently. 
by my peers as well as by my teachers. Um, I can't recall anything in particular right now. Um, but yeah, for example, I had a nickname, Monkey. Oof. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, so that's kind of like what what things felt like to me that like, um, yeah, just kind of like that. Yeah, uh, that's. Uh, I I feel like I'm 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 speechless because here I am as a white person not knowing how to relate. Thank God. But uh, is that is how is that? I'm just gonna bring it back to the music, I guess, because um, MIA being so empowered, so to say, is that something that you drew power from back in the day with all of the verbal harassment going on? Um, well, back then I was like seven to ten years old or something. I don't think right. that I understood English yet. Fair. Um, but. Yeah, it was just one of those songs we were talking about this earlier. Like, as a kid, we always had like MTV uh, on in the background, and I was always like playing on the carpet or something. So I would hear a lot of pop music, and this was one of the songs that I heard a lot back then. Is it? Is there a particular reason why this song resonated with you personally, or is it just because it was on repeat? I think later in life, so right now-ish, I started to relate a lot to MIA and her experiences. I know um, the experiences of the Tamili people in um, both Sri Lanka and the south of India are, um, of course, everyone has their own experience and that's a very specific thing that's unfortunately has a lot of weird stuff going on in India. Mm. I don't know the exact details of it, but I can certainly relate to her feelings of being an immigrant in a new country or being like a different person right. and having everyone still kind of looks at you differently than they would someone else. All right. Um, just for some uh, clarification for our listeners, like you mentioned your mother uh, came to the Netherlands from Suriname. Mm -hmm. Uh, some generations further back, your ancestors moved from India to Suriname under yes. yeah. under under British colonialism. Yeah, so it's like Suriname is kind of like a melting pot slash salad bowl of different cultures. Exactly. And the Indian um, people group is one of the many people groups in uh, Suriname. Yeah, uh, according to recent numbers, it's about 27% of the population. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, something like that. Yeah, and when it comes to uh, religious population, about 22% still practices the Hindu faith. Is that, um, which also was fact, uh, was also part of your upbringing, mm -hmm. wasn't it? Um, yeah, I remember until I was about, I think until I went to like high school, I was very devoted to the Hindu faith and very tried to be the best Hindu as possible, essentially. Mm -hmm. So how did that mix with your queerness? Um, it didn't exist until like high school, I think. It was not something that I was thinking about very much because, of right. course, I had a lot of... For example, um, when I was seven, my parents divorced. Um, I, In hindsight, I know that I was still very much dealing with that and still very much um, come into terms with that. I still am, right? Yeah. in a way. Um, I've talked to my psychologist a lot about this, but I was just very much 
coming to terms with the things going on in my life at that time. So mm-hmm. I didn't even have the headspace to think about anything when it comes to queerness. I'm pansexual, so uh, and I didn't really have any interest in boys when I was younger. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know it didn't really play a big part in my life as a child. All right, that's fair. But you were trying to be, um, as you put it, the best possible Hindu person. Mm-hmm. Um, um, like there, there are some Hindu philosophers that acknowledge the existence of like third genders, so to say. Did that? struck a chord with you at all or did did that just get overlooked in your total upbringing um i didn't even know it was a thing i only learned about it through coincidence through like i heard it somewhere it's the hitra that you're talking about um yeah there's i've 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 got some several things uh hitra yeah uh aravani uh jagapa um um all different ways of, of interpreting quote-unquote, third genders in Hindu culture, but, you know, I'm not the expert on on, on Hindu religion. Neither. Yeah, um, no. <laughs> this, this is, these are just the results of quick, uh, quick, quick uh, kosher surges. Mm-hmm. Um, but tell me about it. It it wasn't a part of, of your uh, way of practicing your faith. Um, no, I didn't know, for example, up until right now, that there were more people groups... Um, that have another, a different uh, gender expression rather than the binary that we're so used to. Right. Other than the hetero, for example, this is completely new information to me. I bet a large part of that is also because of colonialism, isn't it? Because, you know, homosexuality being illegal in the UK, they bring the type of laws to, to their colonies. Do you think that that is something, well... I think we can just safely assume something you personally would have benefited of if that wouldn't have been the case, right? If it, um, yeah, if there was like a more non-binary like idea of gender, or so, uh, is that what you mean? No, what I mean was uh, having a third gender under um, in Hindu societies would have been mm-hmm. completely okay if it weren't for colonialism bringing the gender binary and forcing that onto people in India. Yeah. Um, um, I'm just misinterpreting that. Well, yeah, I don't know. I think if if I was aware of it, and as you said, if um, colonialist in- influence hadn't been as prevalent, maybe things would have been different for me. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, for example, the Hitra I know in India... Um, nowadays at least also have like a very they're very um, underrepresented in a lot of uh, institutions and their like overall quality of life uh, unfortunately is not the best that's fair that's fair Um, how does your background play a role in your music taste nowadays because you said like you said you can very much identify with MIA being also being a person of color are there more examples like that? Um, yeah, it's, uh, for example, the rap scene. I identify like with a lot of the ideas of systemic oppression. Yeah, I think Fuck the Police by uh, NWA is like perfect example of that. Right. And then you just decided not to pick that one because that was released before you were born or didn't play it as much a bigger role in your childhood. Yeah. Or is that it? 
Yeah, and also, like, of course, unfortunately, in that particular scene, there's a lot of queer bashing, a lot of misogyny, unfortunately. Right. What parents did you, what music did your parents listen to? Did mm. they just kind of put an MTV on, or was that something you choose to do? No, I didn't. I don't think I knew how the TV works. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, my parents used to put on a lot of MTV and um, a lot of traditional Indian music as well. Right. We also have like a bunch of CDs, half of which I don't even know what they are. How about we take a little break and in the meantime, let's put on some music. Uh, this is our Queer Artist Spotlight because, you know, it used to be Queer Artist of the Week, but there's nothing weekly about this podcast. Um, it's called Death Slash Batgirl by Black Dresses. track uh very industrial very eerie in in in, in some ways a call it's a track a called bad girl slash death by black dresses there was a little bit of a back and forth between us two in preparation of the show you know uh kind of talking about where would you want specific tracks to be played uh were they available was it was it possible to get proper sound uh, properly sounding mp3s or regular files of the bands and in the end you came with this one mm-hmm. in- yeah. enlighten me um the original song that i was gonna choose was gonna be gloss uh give violence a chance mm-hmm. violent give violence a chance um but yeah then um and i was gonna have a black dresser song all the way towards the end because that was also like a very uh, recent discovery for me. Right, a friend yeah. um, recommended the, it to me and I was like, oh, okay, let's check this out. And it was amazing. <laughs> All right, uh, a little bit about the band themselves. Uh, this uh, particular song you just heard from the album Thank You released earlier this year, earlier 2019. Um, and the, the lead vocalist is a trans girl, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Um, is that also why you picked this track? Is it something you um, you identify yourself with, some, with, someone you find yourself in, someone you resonate with? Yeah, I think uh, just like with MIA, it's um, the topics and the ideas that are also like portrayed in their music are uh, very relevant to um, my personal experiences in life. Right. And is that uh, also why you picked this specific song? Because it resonates with you lyrically? 
Yeah, yeah. So it's like the song is about a um, girl who um, is very like, I guess, depressed and very. Um, it says like she's so messed up, stuff like that. And I think that uh, that in particular resonated with me for a lot, um, a lot of different stages in my life. Um, for example, in primary school, I had like very little friend for the longest time only at one and in high school as well I felt very much different and very much um, misunderstood by people around me and yeah I can resonate a lot to that feeling I think towards the end I forget the, uh, the lyrics right now but there's something else oh we can just take a minute and look it up um um, so near the end you said, right? Mm-hmm. Um, let's scroll all the way down. It's so fucked up. Like, it should have been a sign that something was wrong, but it's just so easy to think you're, you're broken and evil. I don't know, it's... It's like, as if my whole life thinking, I don't have a soul, and... Okay, sorry, I promise I'm going somewhere with this. It's just, I don't even know how I was fucked up. I don't even know what I was going through until like a year ago. Now it's everything. This place is designed to kill us and to make us think that it's our fault. Sorry, sorry. This is all super obvious. It's just, I'm glad we're in this struggle together. But I wish we didn't have to define ourselves by the struggle. At all. Thanks for listening to me. I feel a lot better now. Amazing, I love that. <laughs> all right, so yeah, that's the final rant at the end of the at, at the end of the song, mm-hmm. and that's just something that truly yeah, you know, that just like the knocks sorry? it out of the park. Yeah, yeah, and um, I think it's like in in that particular part, there's like a lot of thoughts racing through the protagonist's head. I think for me, I can relate to that because it's like. I constantly think of everything and it's like one second I'm talking about myself, the next I'm talking about world politics, like how this and that affects different people across the globe or like how this is a threat to that. It all just like spins like a web in thoughts and just kind of it's one big mess of overthinking in there or how exactly, am I supposed to exactly, imagine this? Yeah. yeah, and it's also, I remember, for example, in high school, I started to become... Uh, very political right um for a lot of people around me for my friends it was um something very uncalled for something they didn't really want to deal with yeah i just felt very alone in, in my thoughts but this is like this is how things are right things are fucked up and things are like yeah so in that way as well i can relate to the ideas and feelings presented so how am I supposed to interpret this? Like, at first you weren't political thinking things were fucked up and then you kind of reached a point where you thought, but they don't have to be? Or did you realize things were fucked up because you got political? I think, for example, the earliest thing I can remember of having any thought or opinion towards anything larger than me or my community was I saw something on TV about the Millennium Goals and I was like, they're not gonna make that. That's just like nah, <laughs> like that's not that's not. And I don't know why I had that thought back then, but from there right. on, I noticed that like 
very early on, I had very strong opinions about certain things. And of course, throughout my own experience, the experience of um, my family, yeah, you just get like a different view on life. And I guess a lot of people who don't have all that struggle, yeah, it's difficult for them to see it. But like you said, uh, it's uh, a song you uh, haven't known for that long a time. Mm-hmm. Um, it hasn't been out for that long a time. It, but you know that final rant. That's the. This song hasn't been out for too long a time, but this. But it reminds you of when you just turned political. Is that it? Because I'm just kind of lost oh, in the tracks of. of sorry, memories. sorry about that. Yeah, no, that's um, all right. Uh, for me, it's not per se that I turned political. It's just that um, I started knowing what I'm talking about. Essentially, I started learning about different ideology, and I started. Uh, being like, hey, this is not just my thoughts and my ramblings. This is actually something that people have thought about a lot. And that is like, it's not just my struggle. It's a struggle um, for so many people, um, mm. not just in my country, not just in my environment. But yeah. I mean, it's implied that this um, song specifically talks about the struggle from a trans perspective, mm-hmm. but you can also just be interpreted as a struggle from a race perspective or a misogyny perspective or, yeah, or, or, or whatever. Yeah, for example, I um, we live in the base. On, it's been this way for the past 10 years or something. Like social support. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that is, I think that a particular experience is like, um, shaped me the most into what I am now politically. Right, yeah. So wanting to make things better, of course, first and foremost for my family, because we are in such a shitty situation, but also for so many people who experience that same, yeah, those same things, and in a lot of cases, even worse scenarios. People are even worse off. That sounds like a very troubling situation oh my god um how about this this artist itself like you mentioned you came across it quite recently Mm -hmm. how did that happen how did it what was the first impressions yeah it was a while i think like half a month ago like two weeks ago or something it was just in a little private group uh, with a couple of people they probably know who they are Mm-hmm. We just like this track was shared and it was um it was a different track. It was no no no, there was just like some talk going on about black dresses. And then I searched it up and the first track I actually found was the first uh that I was gonna send you for black dresses, which is also yeah. unfortunately unavailable. It's um it's a beautiful world by Davy McCallion. Davy McCallion. Yeah. Yeah. From there on, it just kind of like spinballed into, wow, like this is also like something that exists and like is, yeah, so great. So great to listen to. Because let me, um, let me get this straight. Black Dresses isn't like a band in particular. It's more like a collective of musicians. It's two people, um, right. David McCallion and Adar Brooke. But I guess like they use different um, aliases. All right. Yeah, that makes sense. I uh, looked on the Twitter page of this uh, Ada Rook, and um, apparently she also had 
This is an 18 plus Twitter account. And, you know, is that something that also intrigued you? I didn't even know that was a thing. All right. I'm barely on Twitter. So, yeah, I didn't know yeah. they had. Well, well I no, know no. that, like, uh, within the community, yeah, a lot of people feel um, comfortable expressing themselves in that way. And I fully support it. And <laughs> uh, what, uh, what, attracted you to uh, this band specifically because was was it just a lack of other trans musicians uh, trans musicians that you listen to or I think first and foremost it was the sound it's All right, just pure musically yeah like the um, it's a beautiful world it's just and this song as well it's just like a lot of samples and a lot of I think the instrument instrumentals are like very well selected and very like i don't know it feels like very just kind of extraordinary and very much like something else something out of this world right yeah. um it's it's not like classic like rave stabs like you do you have like this kind of sound and this kind of sound it's like very much experimenting with like different things and seeing how it's mm -hmm. kind of all comes together that's how it comes across to me at least All right. Um, and like you briefly mentioned before, you initially wanted us to play uh, GLOSS first. I just love that GLOSS is an acronym. The girls living out of uh, out of society shit. Mm -hmm. um, too bad they don't exist anymore, though. Yeah, yeah. How did, you, how did you find out about them? It was, I think, right around also when I discovered Pup, which is like the next song up just some article that was talking about them like the top punk songs for 2016 i think all right um and yeah i just like heard give violence a chance and later looked at the lyrics and it's just like it details the current struggle and like the current things how they are like so well it's like yeah <laughs> It also guess it just also uh, yeah. adds perspective adds a trans perspective to to the punk rioting vibes, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean sure you had them before with um shit, what were they called? Oh um yeah, no. You've uh, you've had trans punk bands since the seventies, but mm -hmm. these really felt because they were so contemporary, struck way more of a core, they hit it way more home, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, for me at least, personally. And yeah. for you as well. <laughs> yeah, oh, definitely. Uh, I remember when I found out about Gloss, I was still writing for a music website. I was just actively trying to get some representation going on, so I actively went looking for, for trans-punk musicians, and um, I, I found out about Gloss. Literally the week or two weeks after I, after I discovered them, after I found out about them, I saw that they split up, uh, they'd mm -hmm. broken up. Yeah. Um, because I think they were offered a record deal with Epitaph. I'm not entirely sure. They were offered a record deal. Um, they were like, we're not loving this type of attention. We're out. Mm. Which is a res very, very respectable career move. Yeah, but I'm at least like glad that it wasn't due to like internal strolls or yeah. something like that. Because I didn't even know until you told me like a few days ago uh, the reason behind why they quit. But yeah. I'm very glad at least it went this way, like it when they, it's a shame because I think personally, especially right now, we really need something like that, but we'll live. <laughs> yeah. And if not, there are always bands like uh, Black Dresses to cover up for them, I guess. Yeah. And also like the songs that are made, they're still there, you know? Exactly. I think it's time to get our third track of the day. Let's get some music going up in this place. 
Yeah, DVP by Pup um, from the album uh, The Dream Is Over, released 2016. I could have seen them live over the summer, but of course I missed out about them again because you can't go to every fucking show you want. You did see them live, though. Mm-hmm. Explain to me when, where, why, how. Yeah, I think I don't remember the year exactly. I think one or two years ago in the fall. They were having a tour just before they were announcing and like releasing their third album. Um, and yeah, yeah, it was just like I was... Pop was a band that I listened to a lot um, in high school and like during the angsty like teenage years and like mm-hmm. when, when shit wasn't going the way I wanted to in like... I think the first two albums especially um, are a lot about the, um, how you call it, they're they're like very cheery sounding songs, which have very depressive undertones that really like, um, I guess, touch me in a way. And yeah, so like a few years ago, I saw them live for the first time and I had an absolute blast. Started out with Kayetana, which they were touring, touring with, uh, back then and then went on to pop and so many stage dives and so much like um, videos going around the internet of people stage diving including me I remember really? one time like I um, went up on the stage uh, and stood around for a little bit because I was a little bit um, intoxicated uh, <laughs> so, yeah. and like I just kind of stood around and uh, Stefan um, the lead singer was talking to me like, hey, uh, what you gonna do? And my first instinct was just to like give him a hand that kind of like a half hug oh and my God. jump on the stage. And wow. as soon as I got back into the crowd, someone say fucking legend right into my face and oh it, it was great. That, it was that does such an sound, amazing night. It sounds like not a stereotypical, an archetypical punk show. Yeah, nice. Is that something you've gotten into over the years? Like, like mentioned before, you're a fan of punk music. Is this, um, is this on to say the average band you listen to on on a daily basis? Um, uh, I think I listen to like a whole lot of things. Like, I think the variety up until now is just like a nice reflection of like my musical taste. It's like one side you have all the electronic stuff and then you have like all the punk stuff and it just like for me personally it also comes in like phases right it's like then you have like the the punk vibe going on and then you have like a more electronic-y like vibe going on it just kind of like goes in phases but i think punk uh in general resonates with me a lot like rage against the machine for example as well um with it's that, like I feel the, like there is a pattern because um, when it's when it comes to MIA, when it comes to black dresses and now pup, there is always a certain 
I don't know, anger or frustration in your music? Is mm. that something that that you recognize yourself in? Especially when I was a, a kid, I think, yeah. When I was, like, just around, like, starting my teens, when I first, like, started listening to my own music. Like, yeah, like your the first years. Yeah, yeah. I, like, the first things that I was listening to was, like, rock and metal. Right. Um, that, I think, in a way, also, like, shaped me and my musical taste and... I think, like, especially with punk music, it's like the, um, um, it's always about like a struggle, and it's always about like, um, in a lot of cases, uh, not in the case of pop, but for example with rage, yeah, it's just like the same thing how I've been talking about for like I don't know how long now. Shit sucks, and we gotta change it, and that kind of feel, um, that's something I feel very deeply. Very much intrigued by the contrast because you know. Obviously, people can't see you, but you strike me as a, just from the looks, you strike me as a very sweet and caring person. But then out comes all of this anger and motivation to change the world and your big words. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, but is that is that something intentional? Because I feel like there is some internalized misogyny on my part here. You know, you being femme-presenting and with that having easy associations with soft and caring characteristics... Or am I misinterpreting that? Um, no, it's actually something that have heard a lot, like throughout the years before I was film presenting, and like it's always like people always say, "Oh, you're so kind and so like golden hard," and then like I kind of look at myself and go, "Nah." <laughs> All right. Nah, but it's like I I care about people a lot, and I think the fact that I care and the fact that I care so intensely. Um, is ultimately my drive to, um, yeah, just fight for a better future just in general. I care about people, therefore I want to help them. Because um, I know how it feels to be left behind and, like, whatever. <laughs> there is a little something else that I want to talk about, though, because um, when we met before, you talked a little bit how you uh, might have ADHD. How does that play out in shows? Because that sounds like very contradicting contradictory situations there in shows yeah uh so in live shows yeah um i mean i haven't been um diagnosed with anything for that matter but i do feel like it's an odd combination hd hd and uh, adhd and punk shows yeah so um just to clarify a little bit i don't have a definitive um how you call it diagnosis diagnosis but there is like a reasonable doubt with my psychologist, which is, but um, yeah, no, I, I notice I don't know if it's a side effect of ADD, ADHD, or just me being very introverted. But I notice like whenever I go to shows, it's nice to have a little bit of a drink to get me loose a little bit. Otherwise, yeah. I'm just like a anxious mess and just kind of standing around very self-conscious that's very relatable though yeah and i would never give a handshake to fucking Stevan. <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah fair i do feel like we've barely touched upon your queer identity is that just me is that weird is that something we've been avoiding um it's very now that you mention it it's very like well <laughs> yeah we we briefly uh, you briefly mentioned that Japan. Um, we, mm -hmm. we we talked about you being able to resonate with uh, the black dresses lyrics, but we've hardly talked about you as a 
femme presenting non-binary person. How? What's the background of what's the background to that? Um. Yeah. There's actually like a whole build-up story to that. I guess. Um. I guess because it's not like very much related to like, music choice or something. <laughs> For me personally, I when I was like around sixteen, I had a partner who later, um, during our relationship, admitted to me that they were um, gender fluid, and that kind of got mm-hmm. started to get things rolling with me. Because before I just um, identified as a heterosexual boy, but yeah, at first I was like well, maybe I'm bisexual or maybe I'm pan. And I started kind of experimenting with that. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just pan. <laughs> um, and yeah, the, um, I also started lightly questioning my gender, but I remember the first few times I would just like immediately back out of those thoughts, like put them back in a wherever yeah. the fuck and like put it out of my mind. Suppress it, put it in a box, exactly, hide it away. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so and that went on for like probably a year or so. I mean, that's after. that's relatable though. Mm-hmm. You know, being able to come to terms with it takes time. Yeah, yeah, and especially I think, for example, I, I know this is a thing for like, or this is probably a thing for like uh, people with other religions, but the particular like my um, mother's um, idea of uh, Hinduism didn't really. It was like don't don't do things to your body and stuff like that. Right. It was like very hard for her to like come to terms with. Still very hard for her to come to terms with the idea of me um, taking hormones or going through whatever the fuck. And All right, flash um, forward a little bit. Um, you um, eventually came to terms with the fact that you were not cis, and then mm-hmm. you started experimenting, being more uh, femme presenting, uh, speech therapy, hormones. Yeah, just is that is that the whole picture what's going on with you right now? Um, Uh, How did that how did those decisions right now? Yeah, to be? Yeah, it was I I think last year I started um, I think two years ago was when I started like actively trying to find out how I wanted to present myself and started to um, experiment with all kinds of things. Um, I started going to Transfisi, which is where I also work. Yeah. Um, which is a uh, another support group for trans people, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's um, They organize support groups and they're also like a very big player within trans healthcare. And yeah, so it's, yeah. A, it's, it's a non-profit organization, is it? Um, yeah. So yeah. yeah, it's a non-profit organization that organizes uh, support groups, the healthcare lobbyists. That yeah, kind of stuff. exactly. Like right okay. now, there's like negotiations with I know Stepwork, and this is all public information. It's Stepwork and um, VUMC. I'm gonna yeah. say it in much. and like the Amsterdam Medical Center. Yeah, yeah, and there's like they're involved with that. Um, I think around right now they should have. Um, reached like a consensus on something but yeah like they're a b- pretty big player all right i got cool. completely um, side you, you got a little bit sidetracked from your own uh f- from your own bit there yeah um so two years ago you started actively experimenting mm-hmm. yeah yeah so like uh, first i started going to these support groups that transvisi organized 
And yeah, so just all these people just being themselves in their own way. Uh, and that was very inspiring to me. I guess it also like very much just had a drive to change something. But right. I was, I'm still very unsure about starting hormones, for example. Um, partially because I have so much going on, of course, the in other stuff that we talked about. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I wanted to change something. So the first thing was like, well, voices aren't like, that's not a permanent change. I can do that. So yeah. started out with that and it's been working out great. So like baby steps, just start with voice therapy and start with presenting yourself more femme. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like getting um, laser hair removal stuff. I don't know the exact term, but yeah, yeah getting no. that. And yeah, just bit by bit doing whatever feels comfortable. And bit by bit, we're starting to reach the end of this episode. It's time for our last track. is oh god uh where do i start um recharging the void by vector um the first and heaviest metal track we've got on this podcast so far as well as the longest um marking a grand total of 13 minutes and 36 seconds um this track in particular you know to 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 bring it back home, because we started out with something you do, of which I thought it was a classical thing, but this entire piece is built up like a classical piece of music, building up, you know, having three dissectable bits. All right, I'm just going to let you do your story, because you <laughs> took this track, and like, while we are playing it, you, you kept going on about it. So, enlighten us. Yeah, um... Yeah, this track in particular, it was something that I think I stumbled upon a few weeks or maybe even a month ago, but it still feels like so new and so different to me. Um, it's like, I think I said before that um, when I first started choosing my own music and kind of listening to my own thing, um, metal was one of the first things that I started listening to. Um, and at the time it felt very much like wow to me and like something new that I could just get lost in 
And over time, I just kind of lost that feeling. Um, but then this track came along, and what, what's so special to me about it is how it goes from like low Korean, complete like the darkest of dark minor scales to essentially like soul-piercing um, Ionian and major, and like I've never heard. Um, a piece of like major scale metal being executed so well like as well right. as this like so it was just that same feeling of just wow i could get lost in this for days and weeks i mean with a track of this length it kind of starts to feel like days and weeks <laughs> um, it does yeah um but yeah no uh but is it because of that, that very different the display of very different vocal techniques um but then there's that bit in the middle like mm -hmm. around no wait let me um let me talk about something else first because you mentioned uh something briefly about misogyny within within the metal scene oh um yeah not particularly misogyny but like the manny uh, the first things that uh, the first idea that springs up to me is like very strong racist almost uh yeah. what's it like alt-right like right-wing shit that goes on the first thing that pops into my mind is a few years ago when um i think it was pantera but i could be mistaken um one of the guitarists um straight up after the show just did like a white power sign to the crowd oh um, yeah i remember that yeah yeah and like everyone was just like what the fuck is this and like and a lot of people as well defended it and i think that this is something that this community has to learn to talk about and be like hey because i know in metal like i get it we all like love the music and the artists and whatever and we all revere them but i think you know you should be able to say like hey this makes me real uncomfortable as a person of color as a bicultural person and um just fuck this and fuck this person you know yeah like this is not reflective of it's like how metal used to be anti-establishment now that they're kind of old and gray and sort of part of or at least they're represented in the establishment they're grown to be part of it more yeah yeah i mean yeah i know like that with a few very specific punk bands this happened as well oh yeah yeah but yeah no it's that same thing and i get it because i think compared to other genres metal is very much uh, like a sense of escapism in the sense of like it's it's never about any one person or anything like this particular song is about like a future space astronaut or yeah, something okay, like that yeah just lyrically they they tell stories that aren't necessarily like critical of society they don't cover news topics that yeah. kind of stuff they I mean, tell there stories are bands. Uh, there are bands yeah, there of are course who are more like like that but i think even within the scene they're like very um um, people are very critical of those bands and I don't want that. But it's also like by, um, I think by distancing um, itself from reality so much, 
it, um, these kinds of things, like they distance themselves from reality. So it, like the whole white power thing, a lot of people brush it off as a joke. Um, um, just whereas like people, I guess, like f- have experienced like the actual like repercussions of all of these movements more actively see like the threat and more actively see like the many uh things that are kind of fucked up in metal music and the metal scene unfortunately and i think it's a dialogue that needs to be open i think it's something we need to talk about sorry that was quite a tangent (laughs) yeah um yeah no it's just with metal within itself it also contains a lot of toxic masculinity and that would that's what made me drift away from the genre mm. to a point where currently I exactly yeah can't and it's quite like enjoy it anymore. so inaccessible for so many people and that yeah. frustrates me so much because of everything going on around it in it and that frustrates me yeah. and yet you pick this track as your most recent discovery mm-hmm. yeah yeah because pure because of the musicality of it all many things I think like. Yeah, I said before, like how it reminded me of the music, like the feeling that I had when I was a kid listening to metal music for the first time. But it's also, um, I started thinking about this like a few days ago, like why did I pick this? And for me, one of the reasons why I started presenting more feminine and started moving more to, I guess, femininity was that I was just tired of the idea of toxic masculinity, essentially, like having to be strong and like pull yourself together and all that. That was something that, you know, I heard a lot as a kid and um, metal music in and of itself as well for me was a way to like fend my frustration and like, yeah, just like, say, oh, this ain't nothing, I can take more than this. But this piece in particular, I think, you know, this is not something that you headbang to. This is something that, like, at the end, you're, like, start crying. Like, that is kind of, like, every time I listen to this intensely, like, I almost get tears. Um, Because, like, the... the, um, the second phase and like the middle part as well it's just like it opens up so much and it's just like so this, you're talking sorry? specifically about the, the the bit where you know it all just kind of waters down and there mm-hmm. is this very slow yes and, and right right bit. afterwards sorry <laughs> right afterwards when it kind of starts picking up um and there's like a very fast section um i don't quite know how to describe it but that particular part, it's like Ionian, yeah. I think. And that is just like so, for it feels un- so pure. For and those unaware, so, could you explain what Ionian is? Ionian is, I think, like pure major scale. It's like you got seven different modes of music. You got like Phrygian, Dorian. I think this song starts off in Locrian, ends in Mixolydian. Yeah, and what what happens in this song is like mode shifting, so it shifts from one mode to another. Right. Yeah. It's a bit difficult to understand modes. It took me quite a while personally, so it might not be the easiest Google trip that you've had, but go ahead. <laughs> All right. Clear. Do you have any loose threads about this track that you want to get out there? Some loose thoughts? Um. Yeah, no. I noticed uh, with me personally, 
to go back to like the whole struggle, um, struggle with toxic masculinity thing. I guess in a way, this track symbolizes my coming to terms, and I'm still like dealing with so much stuff that we've talked about. But kind of coming to terms with everything, letting it really moving on from it, and not just like keeping it bottled up and keeping it and being able to be free to freely express myself. I talked to my psychologist about this um, a little bit. It's like a lot of trans people um, have to take care, like not take care, have to process things that happened to them or like their past trauma or something like that before um, they feel ready or they even can actually come to grasp with their dysphoria. Like, it's literally just blocked off um, until that all is cleared up. And I think that's, like, the thing that I'm personally going through right now. And I hope if those people are out there listening right now, you're not alone. You know, there's a lot of people who still have a lot to deal with and still have a lot to clear up. And that's okay. With that, I think it's time to wrap this up with the overarching question of this podcast. What role does music play to you? in your everyday life everything (laughs) everything yes it's it's been with me throughout everything and it's like yeah it means so much to me all right let's wrap this up we've been queer sounds um you can look us up as all on all of our socials at queer sounds pod um queersounds.com get in touch with us queersoundspod at gmail.com um There's something big coming up. I'm not going to say what it is yet, but you'll notice when you'll notice. Uh, Thanks again for listening. Um, Yeah, see you next time. Bye-bye.